welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyga Esson. We continue today on success habits, Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, success habits. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Jesus had this habit of always going to the synagogue. It was a regular thing he did. And we said here that if you want to change your results, change your daily routine. It is insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So if you want a different result, change your routine. Check what you are doing. Habit is something you do repeatedly over and over. As a matter of fact, your habit becomes second nature. Habits are unconscious hacks. There are things you do, and when you have good habits over and over, you can predict your future will be great because your habits actually form your character. Your character determines your destiny. So if you want to have a glorious destiny, start getting good habits. Jesus had this habit of always going to the synagogue. Every time the synagogue opened, it was always going. And Mike Mudok said that the secret of your future is stored up in your daily routine. Successful people do daily what failures do occasionally. So people fail because they don't do enough good habits. Some people start paying their tithe, they stop paying their tithe because it's inconvenient. But if you can just consistently keep doing it, you will see results. So there's no magic to God. There's no rasmatas with God. God respects order. He respects process. So if you keep doing something over and over, yes, it may be inconvenient initially, but as you keep doing it consistently, it's a matter of time you begin to get the reward. And it's my prayer you get great rewards in Jesus' mighty name. What you do repeatedly is what you do well. If you start doing something over and over, you become an expert at it. And what you do well is what you are known for. And what you are known for is what life will reward you with. So it's my prayer you have good habits in Jesus' mighty name. By the power of God, you will exchange bad habits for good habits in Jesus' mighty name. You will shelve off bad habits and you will take on good habits in Jesus' mighty name. So we spoke about meditation as one of the habits we can have. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. God spoke to Joshua. If you want to make your way prosperous, you want to be successful, you want to do better than Moses, he said, think about my word day night. Meditation is focused thinking. Whatever thing you focus your mind on magnifies. If you focus on the negative, that is worry. If you focus on the problems, it will produce worry in you. It will produce anxiety in you. The Bible says, Abraham considered not his own body now dead. Think about that. Abraham's body was dead. He didn't consider, he didn't give it too much consideration. But he rather gave consideration to what God has spoken concerning him. So you have two perspectives. Twelve went to spy the land of Canaan. Some saw the giants in the land. They saw the impossibility. Joshua and Caleb saw the possibilities. They saw the bigness of God over and above the challenges of the land. David saw the bigness of God over and above the bigness of Goliath. So you see, how you see matters a lot. And what the Bible does is to transform our thinking. Say, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
So every day as you hear the word of God, you are being changed. As you focus on that Bible, even though it's convicting you, even though it's challenging you, as you hear God's work, something is changing. You are changing inwardly. You are beginning to bear the image of Christ. And the more you can focus on that image of Christ, the better you become. So meditation is focused thinking. Some people focus on the negatives and they produce worry in them. Some people focus on God's promises. That's what they think about day and night. That's what God told Joshua. He said, look, think about this word day and night. So Joshua, for him to be successful, he had to think about God's word day and night. And that was what produced success in his life. So the first habit we spoke about was meditation. The second one we spoke about last week was thanksgiving. We said God loves worship and thanksgiving. And where you can give God a good praise and a good worship, when you actually become a worshiper, then it will take you places. Somebody said, if you praise him, it will raise you. And I see God raising you in Jesus' mighty name. So we want to talk about another habit, and that's setting goals. The dictionary defines success as progressive realization or actualization of a predetermined goal. In other words, when you meet your targets, when you meet your goals, you can be successful. Success with God is different. Success in Christianity with God is hearing God and obeying God. So when you can hear God tell you this is the way working it, you hear that and you obey, you give all your life to what you had, then you'll be successful. But even though secular meaning says progressive realization of what worthwhile goals is very important because the reality is this. Even people that don't come to church, some of them actually accomplish their goals. Some of them accomplish their financial goals, their marriage goals, their career goals. So you have to realize something with God. That look, God does the supernatural. But at the same time, too, there are some things you have to do. Somebody said, all good ideas are not God's ideas. But all God's ideas are good ideas. You know, that was somebody can bring forth a good idea that is his own idea. And good ideas always produce some results. But God's ideas are always good ideas. Just one good idea can turn your life around totally. So God's ideas are very desirable, very, very good. But at the same time, too, good ideas are also good. Because we are all in different spiritual standing with God. Some people can hear God so well. Some people are struggling to hear God. So whether you can hear God so well or not, you can at least have some goals. And then you plug into those goals. And by doing so, you will see some results. There's no magic in God. God does the supernatural. He works miracles. But at the same time, he's also giving man dominion over the works of his hands. Many times you are saying, Lord, do this for me. God is saying, look, the next move is your move. You move. When you move, I move. Because he's giving us dominion. Psalm 8, verse 4 to 6, over the works of his hands. Man in himself has some powers. So you better know that God will not dot all the highs for you. He will not cross all the T's for you. He will not do all you want him to do. He will say to you, he's done it. As a matter of fact, somebody said that God gave us brain so that we will allow him some time to rest. In other words, your brain can produce. You can prayerfully think through a challenge. So it's not all up to God. It's a collaboration between God and man. For your destiny to be realized, it is you and God. 
you have a say in the matter. There's an human element in the matter. There are some things God will not do until he sees a man. Say, look, I sought for a man. I look for a man in their midst. I look for a man. Because some people feel, oh, once I become a Christian, God will just do everything for me. No, it doesn't work that way. Because he wants you to also be a part of the production. He wants you to also be a part to share some glory out of the blessing. So success is always measured vis-a-vis a goal, which is why we are talking about success habits. If you don't have a goal, you can't be assured of success. As a matter of fact, the way I know you are succeeding is by measuring your success vis-a-vis the goals you have set. So goal setting is so important. People don't make success, they don't achieve success because they have no goals. Just think of a football match that has no line for touchdown. So people are just running all over the place. When you don't have goals set, even when you succeed, you don't know because there's nothing to measure the goal. So why do we have to set goals? Because when we set a goal and do our best to reach that goal, a fruitful result is produced. Having goals add meaning to life. You see, there's something about every human being. When you succeed, you are happy. When you attain a goal, when you make something happen, oh, you are happy. And that's how people live long. And that's also why they are also challenged to do more. So when you set goals for yourself and you run after the goals, you live a fruitful life and then it has meaning to your life. You can actually say, look, I'm doing well. I was this this year, but now I'm this. You can see some progress. As is my prayer, you see progress in your life in Jesus' mighty name. As setting goals make us think through, and this produces action in us that brings results. I'm sure you know about the parable of the talents. The master came, called three servants. He gave one five talents, another one two talents, another one one talent. And he told the three, go trade with these talents. Go and trade, go and multiply, go and trade with these talents. And after a while, he came back. The guy with the five talents he had traded, got a 100% increase, brought five talents more, making 10. The other guy traded with two talents, had two more, brought two talents extra, making four. And the one with one talent went and buried the talent. In other words, he didn't make good use of what the master gave him. As a matter of fact, another version of that story in Luke said the master called 10 servants and gave each of them one talent each. One talent each for 10 servants. He came after a while, one servant brought 10 more talents, another servant brought five more talents, another servant buried his own. So you see, life gives people equal opportunities. We all have the same 365 days. Somebody will maximize his own and get a 100% yield. Another person doesn't have any result at all to show for a whole year. Even though we have the same amount of time. Some people in one day, they achieve so much. And some people in six months don't even come close. He gave ten servants one talent each. Luke chapter 19 verse 12 downwards. Therefore a certain man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he caught ten of his servants, delivered to them ten miners, and said to them, do business. Can you see that? Do business like come. Let's flip to verse 16. Then came the first saying, Master, your miners and ten miners. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you are faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. 
The second came, saying, Master, your miners earned five miners. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your miner, which have kept away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap where you haven't sown. So ten servants, and the end of the day, only three were reckoned with. That one talent could be opportunity, could be time, it could be money, it could be anything. But there's something that you can multiply around you. But if you don't have goals, if you don't have goals for yourself, you may just be like that one guy who came back with the one talent. That will not be your testimony in Jesus' mighty name. So when we have goals, it makes us to think through. You can think through and then multiply. When you have goals, it makes you to maximize time and talents and treasures. We see that in the parable. That guy, he multiplied. The one talent came back with ten. And you see, it's also true. Why do we have to set goals? We can make our plans. But the Lord determines our steps. Proverbs 16 verse 9, a new living translation, says we can make our plans. But the Lord determines our steps. It's okay to make plans. But we trust in God to determine our steps. Many Christians in the guise that the future belongs to God never plan. Many people don't have financial goals. If you are working, you can have a retirement account. I am putting money into that every month, gradually. So by the time you are retiring in 40 years' time, you have a chunk of money. That's a goal. That's a plan. That's a financial goal. Yes, the future belongs to God. It can set to your future. But for God's sake, if I leave an extra $1 million for my children, when I go, they will like me more. They will say, Daddy did well. Yes, Daddy was a pastor. He showed us the way of the Lord. Because of Daddy, yes, I'm a Christian today. But if Daddy also left so much money for them, oh, they will be happy. And you don't need rocket science to know that. It's just something you have to do. We can make our plans. But the Lord determines our steps. It's very, very impossible to steer a stationary vehicle. But when the vehicle begins to move, then you can steer it. So when you have your own plans, God can now determine your steps. He can say, look, go this way, don't go this way, take this route. But if you just are stationed on a spot, you can't steer that vehicle. Abraham was going to get a wife for his son Isaac, and he made his servant Eliza to go to get a wife. He made the goal so clear. He said, look, don't get a wife from here. Go to my wife's place and go get a woman there. And Eliezer had never been to Sarah's place, but he opted out in faith. It was a clear instruction. And Eliza said in Genesis chapter 24, verse 27, I been in the way the Lord led me. In other words, he was in the way and the Lord was able to determine his steps. But if he had remained back, he wouldn't have been able to be led by God. So set something in motion. As you set something in motion, that God can take over. Stop thinking God will do it or you set the ball rolling and leave the rest to God. So if you have to go back to school, go back to school. Yes, you don't have the fees to pay now, but the reality is that just set something rolling and then God will take it up. That's how God works. It's easier to steer a moving vehicle than a stationary one. And you see, where you have goals, it produces focus. It helps you to avoid distractions. If I have a goal for my day, it's difficult for someone to come and hijack it. I know where I'm going to. Maybe I'm going to Philadelphia. One friend will not just come and say, oh, let's go to Maryland because I'm already set to go to Philadelphia. So because I have a goal for myself, nobody can just hijack my time. You don't live a meaningful life 
a deliberate life just by being blown about by everybody. So when you have a goal, it produces focus. The Bible says for the joy that was said before Jesus, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. Jesus kept on seeing himself seated at the right hand of God. So that goal propelled him through the pain of the cross. He endured because of what was ahead of him. It's my prayer you endure, and as you set your goals, God will move on your behalf. He will determine your steps in Jesus' mighty name. And this year, you look back, you have things meaningful. You have something to show for this year in Jesus' mighty name. When you set goals, it makes you live a fruitful life. It makes you live a rewarding life. As I round up, there are some steps to creating goals. The first step is that determine your present position. Determine where you are. If I earn $3,000 every month and I want to pay off my mortgage in one year, that is $200,000. And what I earn is $3,000. I want to, in one year, pay off $200,000 loan from my $3,000 or $2,000 monthly income. That doesn't make sense. I know God works miracles. Oh, he's a miracle-working God. Oh, he can make things happen. Yes, he does that. But he's also a God of process. He's also a God of order. It's not so much about you accomplishing your goals with God. It's about what you become by accomplishing your goals. God is not so worried about you getting something. He's thinking about you changing as you pursue that thing. So we are after the goals. We want results. God is after the character. He's after what you become by pursuing the results. So there are two perspectives. Determine where you are. Stop equating faith for fantasy. Some people just live in cloud nine, fantasy. Yes, God does miracles. I've seen God do miracles. But for God's sake, determine where you are. And from determining where you are, you cannot project. Set goals that are realistic. Set the ball rolling, but be realistic. If you keep doing the same thing and expect a different result, you are kidding yourself. Stop living in a fool's paradise. Faith is not the same thing as fantasy. If you have to do things differently now, you have to go back to school, you want to go learn a trade, in order to reach your goal, go do it. And then you see God come through for you. Another thing you have to realize is that, look, be specific about what you want. Be very specific. Don't be unrealistic, but be very specific. Nothing becomes dynamic until it is specific. In other words, don't reach for a vague goal. Be specific. Abraham spoke to Eliza, Genesis 24, 3 to 4. He told him specifically that don't take a wife from Canaan for my son. Say, go, and I will make you swear by the God of heaven and the God of earth that you not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son. So it was specific. So if you're also setting a goal, what questions do you want to ask yourself? It's easy. What do I want to achieve? What do I want to become? What do I want to do? What do I want to have? These are ways that you can set goals. What do you want to have? Material possessions or whatever thing. What do you want to do? What are the things you want to accomplish for God? What are the things you want to become? Even as you are writing your goals, the major thing is why do you want to achieve the things you want to achieve? Your motives also matter. If your goals don't incorporate God in the equation, it may not last. And of course, the whole essence of you writing your goals is to pray over your goals. As a matter of fact, that shows your desperation. 
God also measures your desperation. So if you just write your goals and you shut your book, by the time it's December, nothing would have been achieved. But that will not be your portion in Jesus' mighty name. So be specific about what you want. Then go ahead to now look for God's promises. When you set a goal, don't focus on the problems. Rather, find a promise of God to attach the goal to. When Eliza was asked to go get a wife for Isaac, he didn't even know where he was going to. But he just kept on saying, look, God is the father of Abraham. God has been faithful to Abraham. So he kept on remembering the Abrahamic covenant. And he launched out because of the faithfulness of God to Abraham, who sent him on the errand. So he wasn't looking at the problems, at the challenges. He was looking at what God had done for Abraham, and he got the job done. Because he focused on the promises. He prayed. As a matter of fact, three times he prayed. He prayed before he set out. When he got to where he was going to, he prayed again. He said, Lord, any woman who will water my camels, let her be the one. And somebody came, Rebecca came, gave him water, and also gave her the camels that he was with, water. And that was a proof. So he was praying all the way through because he had an assignment he had to fulfill. So prayers make things work. Prayers will drive away the predators. Once you launch a dream, Satan is against it. But when you can prayerfully, like the mother hen, sit on your dreams, on your plans, very soon those dreams will hatch and those dreams will become reality. And that will be your testimony in the mighty name of Jesus. Somehow your dreams, your plans, your goals will incorporate somebody else. There's somebody that has an input into what you want to achieve. So enlist a support team. That's the fourth thing. Enlist a support team. Anyone you know can help you attain what you want to attain. By all means, go and talk to them. Make yourself friendly. Cherish relationships. The Bible says if you are going to have friends, you must first of all make yourself friendly. So... God will not send angels. He does that occasionally to come and help you with your goals. It's somebody around you that God will use. As a matter of fact, the reality is this. Everything you need to prosper in life is around you. So stop looking so far away. The helper you are trusting God for is just around you. Which is why you have to pray, God, open our eyes. And it's my prayer, God will open your eyes in the mighty name of Jesus. It's my prayer, everything you write down as goals, you will accomplish it in Jesus' mighty name. You'll not be a forgetful hearer. You'll be a practitioner of the word of God in the mighty name of Jesus. As you make your goals specific, they'll become dynamic in Jesus' mighty name. As you set the ball rolling, God will take over from there in Jesus' mighty name. You will not fail. You will not diminish in the mighty name of Jesus. So there's somebody around you that could make a difference. And that person will come to you in Jesus' mighty name. So enlist a support team. And you know the best way it works is this. You be a helper to somebody. Don't live for yourself alone. Extend a helping hand. As you do that, it comes back in torrents. Everywhere you get to, you see help. And you'll find help everywhere you get to this year in Jesus' mighty name. You will not be deficient of help in Jesus' mighty name. Because the truth is this. You need someone to take you up. Without a Barnabas, Paul would never have become Paul. So if Paul needed someone, even Jesus... Women were ministering to him. Some women were following him and they were blessing him. They were treasurers to Jesus. So if Jesus needed help, then you need help. And you find help in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening. And make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.